Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Praise the Lord. That's a great way to start. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. Verse 2, his descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Verse 3, wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Verse 4, unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. Number Verse 5, a good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Verse 6, surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. Verse 7, he will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Verse 8, his heart is established. He will not be afraid. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. We bless your name. Amen. You can be seated. As I said, it's a privilege to minister the word tonight. I uh, was not able to be here with you guys for our 4th of July celebration. Uh, if you were not able to be a part of that, I understand it was a great time. I was actually celebrating the 4th of July in East Tennessee. I got back uh, this morning. My flight landed at 1.45 a.m. Uh, after, uh, after being there in, uh, in Johnson City. Uh, I'm going to sound like I'm a bragging father, and I am. Um, my, uh, my son, Zach, uh, is an associate pastor. He and my, his wife, uh, my, our daughter-in-law, Mandy, they are associate pastors at the Altar Fellowship Church in Johnson City, Tennessee. Uh, one of Zach's responsibilities is uh, he's wor the worship leader. And he called me and he said, Dad, I really need you here. And I'm like, okay. And he said, uh, we're recording a live worship album, uh, and we're recording it in uh, our church, which is an amazing venue for uh, music because it's an old Catholic church. So it's got the high vaulted ceilings and all the ornate uh, great acoustics in it, all the ornate stonework and everything. It's a gorgeous building. And um, he said, I really need you here. He said, I, I just need I just need my dad. So I got off the phone and booked a, booked a flight. And I left and I went. And uh, Friday night, uh, it was uh, over 300 people, uh, mostly standing room only because they took all the pews out. And uh, they recorded a live worship album. And uh, my son wrote nine of the 11 songs that were on that album. And uh, they filmed it the same, if you're familiar with Maverick City Music and their worship videos, how they do it in the round where people are standing around, they filmed it like that. The actual people that filmed Maverick City Music, um, the production company was there and filmed it. And I thought, well, poor people who watch this video because I was weeping through three quarters of the entire recording uh, as I watched God just move. And I couldn't, all I could think about was remembering, uh, uh, seeing my son uh, growing up and just believing I'm probably going to get a little emotional. Just believe in God, your word is true. And if they hide their word in, their, your word in their heart, Lord, uh, then they won't sin against you. And your word is a lamp unto his feet and a light unto his path. And I watched as my son led worship and sang songs. And, and, and I will tell you, there, God is stirring. That's what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit is stirring things up in our, our nation. Uh, you, can, you can hear all the bad news. You can believe all the bad news. And I'm not discrediting the evil that is taking place in the world today. But I'm telling you, there are pockets of places across our nation, this being one of them, uh, but other places across our nation that God is doing some amazing things. Uh, and, uh, and they recaptured the, if you don't like bluegrass music, 
You'll, trust me, when the album comes out, you should listen to it. But they recaptured the, the, the music of that culture, East Tennessee, in the mountains. And they sanctified it. And what was so cool, what was so interesting is all the musicians and all the singers were from Zach's church. But they were blessed to have a banjo player, a fiddle player, and a dobro player who the, the fiddle player, um, what's a fiddle? The fiddle player... Uh, is, is a member of, if you know bluegrass music at all, the Steel Drivers, which is a Grammy award-winning bluegrass group. She's a believer uh, and, like, tore it up on the fiddle. But I'm, I'm watching, and, and the banjo player said, I've played a lot of venues, and he said, I'm a believer, but I've never been invited to play in a church. And Zach and I were talking about that, and he said, Dad, he said, the music of this culture in, the, in this, this area, in this region, he said it is so rich in people sharing the truth of God's word. And, sh-, and he said, but then it, like most cultures, things shift, and it got kicked out of the church. And he said, that was one of the things that I really felt like the Lord said to do with this album is to, to bring back in the music of this area and this region that people can identify with, but that I'm talking, I'm talking prophetic lyrics. I'm talking uh, just proclaiming the truth of God's word. I'm super excited, and I'm so thankful that I was able to go. Uh, and just I can't wait to see what happens with this. But I'm also super excited about what God's doing here. Again, it's a Wednesday night in July, and we're almost, we're almost full capacity. And we've got people online from all over that are joined in our service uh, tonight because God is doing something, and people are hungry. People are hungry for the truth of God's Word. They're hungry for the power of God. They're hungry for something that's real. They're tired of the fake. They're tired of the stuff that just, you know, just kind of sounds really good at the moment but doesn't bring any lasting, changing effect. But the power of the Holy Spirit is moving across the land, and He's moving here in Wasilla. He's moving here in this church, and I'm so thankful to be a part of it, and I hope you're thankful to be a part of it. And if you're just kind of wondering, if you're kind of hanging out on the riverbank, if you haven't like stepped in the water yet, hang out on the riverbank. You'll hit a slippery spot and then you'll go. And then you'll just get, you'll just get, do- you know, you'll get dosed by the Holy Ghost and, the- and you'll join us. Amen. All right. I love this psalm that I read tonight. There's so much in there. There's so much in there. I, I just, if you've not ever read that psalm or thought about it, I mean, if you want, do you want to have a blessed life? Well, do what verse one says. Fear the Lord and delight in his commandments, and you'll have a blessed life. Do you want your children and their children to be mighty and favored and blessed? Then do what this psalm says. Fear the Lord and delight in his commandments. Do you want righteousness to endure, to be the actual trademark of your life and of your family's life, as well as have the wealth and the riches that you need in your house? Then fear the Lord and delight in his commands. We're still in verse 1. Amen? Do you, do you deal graciously and lend and guide your affairs with discretion? Now, if you don't know what discretion means, uh, the definition of that is the quality of having or showing discernment or good judgment. I'll move on. If so, if you do that, then you are declared good and you will never be shaken according to this psalm. And lastly, and this is what I really want to focus on uh, tonight, is what verse 7 and 8 has to say. The person who does all these things, who walks in the light of God and his kingdom, the Holy Spirit through psalmist tells us that this type of person will not be afraid, not be afraid of evil tidings or anything else, because something has happened to this type of person's heart. 
they have a heart condition. That's actually the title of my message tonight, a heart condition. And if you're taking notes, I didn't pass out notes, but I'll let you know when, point num- when we get to point number one so you can write it down if you want. But there, it's a heart condition. Church, I want to tell you, we need to seek God like never before. Amen? I mean, now is the time, right now is the time for the church of Jesus Christ to rise up, to take a stand, to stop sitting there and letting whatever comes down the pack, comes down the chute, just happen. But stand up for righteousness. Stand up for truth. Stand up for what the Word of God declares, that the righteous, we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are more than a conquerors. In fact, Paul says, nay, we are much more than conquerors. Paul said in Romans chapter 5, at least five times, he uses the phrase, much more. I think he's trying to tell us something. Where, the sin, where sin abounds, the grace of God does much more abound. Where, by, where sin by one man entered into the world, how much more by the acts of obedience of one man have we been made righteous? I'm telling you, it's time for the church to stand up. It's time for the church to arise. It's time for the church to step into. It's God-given, God-ordained, Holy Spirit-empowered, backed by the truth of the Word of God, right to be the sons and daughters of God that stand for truth and righteousness. And if we'll do that, we'll change the world because that's what we're called to do. Way back in the book of Genesis, when God established uh, Adam and Eve on the earth, he gave them instructions. He said, I want you to take dominion over the earth. I want you to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. God's plan has never changed. He still wants you and I as the sons and daughters of God, the righteous church of Jesus Christ, to take dominion over this earth, to be fruitful and multiply, to see the kingdom of God grow and the kingdom of darkness decrease, and to subdue the earth by the authority that Jesus said he's been given all authority under heaven and earth, and he's given it to you and I. So it's time, church, for us to arise. It's time, church, for us. The Bible tells us that we should seek and ask and knock. And we should seek the Lord like never before. But once we've been seeking the Lord and we found him and we've encountered him, we need to start living like we found something that's worth living for and even if necessary, dying for. Because the world is full of people that are seeking. And they I haven't even got to my notes yet. The world is full of people that are seeking. And they understand that there's a a, a desire because we were all created in God's image. But because of sin, because of the sin in this world, Because we are born into a world of sin, there's a a, a hole in our life that can only be filled by God. And people try to fill it with all kind of things, and it just doesn't work. But if we'll fill our lives with the image of God by giving our heart and our life, surrendering to Jesus, and we seek him with all our heart, the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah, if you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. So when we seek him with all our heart, and then we find him, then let's start living like we found something. Because the world is looking for people that have found something so that they can find it too. Amen? Come on, give God a praise tonight. Uh, on, on the 3rd of July, uh, which was Saturday, I was in downtown Jonesboro, Tennessee, which is a little, uh, next little city community next to Johnson City. And uh, the parade, we went, saw the 4th of July parade, and then we were walking through just uh, talking to people. And there were, there were 15 states represented at the live recording at, at my son's church. People came from Texas, obviously Alaska, 
uh, they came from California, they came from New York, they came from all over to, to be a part of this live recording. And I, I, one of the vendors uh, was, was, I overheard a conversation and this couple said, yeah, we're moving to Johnson City. And the vendor said, oh, really? What's bringing you here? And the ladies, uh, the, this couple said, God told us to move here. And the vendor at one of these little uh, booths uh, that was set up said, you're about the sixth couple that I've heard say God has said that God has told them that they need to move to Johnson City. See, people that are seeking God, he's going to give them what they're seeking for. God will meet you according to your level of, of expectation. You put a demand on God, you put a demand on the anointing, you put a demand on the truth of his word, you put a demand on Holy Spirit, and he will step up and meet and exceed that demand. Amen? But if we're going to do all that, if we're going to seek God like never before, we gotta, we got to talk tonight about having the right type of heart condition. Now, most of the time when you hear those words, a heart condition, uh, they, they speak to us about a weakness or a disorder or some kind of difficulty or abnormality of the heart. It usually means that the individual with that condition has to make certain adjustments because of that condition. In other words, their life is regulated according to the condition of their heart. They live their life as it relates to and affects their heart. Point number one, David was a man with a heart condition. Our text from the New King James Version uses the words steadfast and established to describe this kind of heart condition. Other translations use, use the words fixed or resolved. My heart is fixed or my heart is resolved. And in the original Hebrew language, the best translation for this particular passage uh, for the word, the heart that's used there is fixed. My heart is fixed. So when you look at that passage, you, you see that, that David is saying, my heart's fixed. I've got a condition and it's a fixed heart. Holy Spirit used David to teach us that the right kind of heart condition, the heart condition that we should work for to have in our life is a heart that is fixed on God, fearing, honoring him, and delighting in what he says to us through his word. So point number one, David had a heart condition. Point number two tonight, Jesus came to give us this heart condition. That's the kind of heart condition that Jesus came to make available to you and I. Luke chapter four, verse 18 says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those that are bruised. Jesus came to heal our broken hearts. He came to give us the right kind of heart condition and that's a fixed heart. Think about that word fixed for just a moment. It means settled, fastened, prepared, stable, faithful. When our heart condition is fixed, when we have a steadfast, unmovable, settled heart, then David said, we won't be afraid. In fact, David says, we won't fear evil tidings or news. You know, you can get all wrapped up. There was a time in my life, uh, probably about eight or nine years ago, that I got into uh, listening to talk radio. Uh, for what, some reason, I stopped listening to, to I, I love sports, so I stopped listening to ESPN radio. Uh, when I drive around the car, I just have the AM talk radio on. And I got to thinking, man, I'd get home and I'd be depressed. And I'd be like, I'd be like, wow, I'm worried. Why, why am I feeling worried? Why am I feeling anxious? 
David said that if our heart is fixed, if our heart is steadfast, if our heart is resolved, if our heart is focused on God and fixed on God, then we won't fear evil tidings. Because guess what? There's a lot of nonsense. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of chatter going on all around. And if you listen to that and you focus on that and you worry about that, then you possibly will be afraid. So how do you want to, I'm giving you some answers tonight on how you can live a life that, that you don't need to go around afraid about what's going to happen. Look, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. The book of James tells us that we, we don't even know that we have tomorrow. It's all God's sovereign. It's all in his control. It's, our life is like a vapor or a mist. It's here today and gone tomorrow. So what we need to do is have a heart that is fixed, that is steadfast, that is focused on God. And if we do, then we won't worry about tomorrow. I can't. There's not anything you can do about tomorrow. There's not anything I can do about tomorrow except keep our heart right. Keep our heart fixed on God. Luke 21, 26 says, Men's hearts are failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. But we don't have to live that way. Because if we develop a heart condition that is fixed, steadfast on the Lord, we don't have to give in to fear. And Paul understood this when Holy Spirit had him tell the church at Colossae and tell you and I that we are to set our hearts on things above, Colossians 3.1. What does that mean? You've heard me say it before. It's uh, set our hearts, our mind, our emotions, our thoughts, our perspective. In other words, we ask God, God, help us to see how you see things. Because if we walk around looking at all that's going on around us, and I am so glad I've got one, one child left at home, and he turns 18 this month. Now, that doesn't, mean he's, that doesn't mean he's leaving as soon as he turns 18, but it just means I'm one step closer to just being me and Minister Jan, okay? I, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried about feeling bad about an empty nest. I love all my kids. But like we told them since they were old enough to understand, me and mama, we're eternal. You guys are passing through. So go on, pass on through. But I'm so glad, I'm so glad, I, I'm just being transparent and honest, I'm so glad I don't have children in my home that have to deal with the stuff that is being pushed on them and tried to be in, have them indoctrinated with. But you know what? If I teach them to have a heart condition that's fixed on God, that trusts in God's word, that relies on God's word, and that allows Holy Spirit to move and work in their lives, then I don't have to be afraid because even if they, even if they lose their mind temporarily, I can trust and stand on the truth of God's word that if you train up a child in the way they should go, when they are old, they will not depart from it. God's been doing some great things in the hearts and lives of all of my children, and I'm so thankful, and I'm so honored, and, and I, I just, I, I, sometimes I'm like, Lord, you're just too good. I don't deserve some of the things that you're doing, but I'm so thankful that he is teaching me, and he's teaching my children, and he's teaching us, and he wants to teach us and impart to us tonight that we have the right type of heart condition. Because if we do, according to the psalm that we read tonight, we don't have to worry about the, and fear the evil tidings that are going on. In fact, David said we don't have to fear anything because our heart is fixed on him. David also tells us that the expression of a heart that has been fixed is to sing and to give praise. Because another passage in Psalm, Psalm 57, 7, David said, my heart is steadfast. And again, that word there is meaning fixed. My heart is steadfast, O oh God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. 
You want to mess with the devil? When he's trying to mess with you, just lift up a shout. Just begin to praise Jesus. Just begin to exalt the name of Jesus. Just begin to declare the goodness of God. Just begin to quote scripture in praise to the Lord. Because when you do that, the devil gets confused. Because that's not the normal way. That's not the way most normal people, but you know, God didn't call us to be normal. He called us to be different. Most normal people, when bad news comes, when bad things happen, because let's face it, Bad things happen to good people. The Bible says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. We live in a world with the devil that has a job to steal, kill, and destroy. So he's out for us, and he's after us, and things do happen. But when things happen and when the devil's messing with us, and we sit down and we, we start getting in the... I, I, spent too long, I spent seven days in East Tennessee. We get in the mully grubs and all down in the mouth... And get all depressed and gloom, despair, and agony on me. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. When we start doing that, the devil goes, ah, I got him. But when he starts messing with us, and we just lift our voice, and we just lift our hands, and we just lift a song. You know, David said, uh, <laughs> he said, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Hope thou in God. I picture it like this. David was starting to feel a little depression come on, and he's like, nah. Uh-uh, I'm not getting down in the mully grubs. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to get down in, in the dirt and, and eat worms and act like nobody likes me. I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to hope in the Lord. And I look at it like he had to look in the mirror and he had to say, no, soul, rejoice. Soul, rejoice. Because he's a good God. I will bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me will bless his holy name. Can I tell you, when you do that, the devil scratches his head, and he's like, I don't understand. And that's exactly what we want, a very confused and frustrated and angry devil. Because when that happens, he's losing. Because he's a loser, he's already lost. Because Jesus Christ is victorious, and he wants us to have a heart that worships, that's fixed on him, that will sing praise unto the Lord. So how do we get a fixed heart, a heart condition that sets us up? for a great life in God. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. What Paul is acknowledging is the power of the gospel is what fixes a heart. It's the power of the gospel. There is no other power on earth that can fix the heart. The religion of men can't do it. That kind of religion, it works from the outside and works on the outside. And that's what's easily seen by men, the outside. In fact, we read in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So it's not man's religion that can fix a heart. But a heart that has a relationship with God through Jesus, by the power of Holy Spirit, that works from the inside out. How is that possible? I'm glad you asked. You see, in order for a heart to be fixed, to be steadfast, to be unmovable, to be resolved, it first has to be fixed. Culture and our own ideas tell us that if we have issues with anger, resentment, criticism, prejudice, pride, unforgiveness, fear, lust, or perversion, or, 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 and keep adding, 
All we need to do, this is what culture says, all we need to do is learn to deal with those things in a manageable manner. Humanistic philosophy says that people whose lives are wrecked, damaged, and ultimately destroyed by all those things I just listed, the problem was they just couldn't get a handle on these things. They just didn't have the skill or the knowledge or the desire to keep these things under control. Can I tell you, church, tonight, and I declare it loud and long, God never intended for you and I to learn how to live with these conditions or these issues. Because guess what? We, in our strength, we don't have the power to deal with these things. Our, can't, our heart can't and doesn't function properly under all of this. And God has a much better plan. And he tells us what that plan is in Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 26 and 27. It says, I will give you a new heart, and I'll put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. By giving us his heart and his spirit, it means he is giving us his nature. And just like the old nature will produce corresponding fruit. People that haven't, I mean, it's like, why do sinners do what they do? Because they're sinners and they're not saved yet. Now, we have a problem when saved people are acting like sinners. Because we weren't called to act like sinners once we got saved. We're called to be different. We're called, you know, they, they talk about cancel culture. That's a, that's a word, if you've, if you've listened to any stuff that's going on, you know, that they're, people are out to cancel culture and create all this chaos. Well, God called us to go counter culture of the world. We're like, you know, living in Alaska is a great example of the salmon swim upstream. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to walk upstream. If the world's walking that way, we better be walking this way. If the world's running to that, we better be running the opposite direction. Amen? And it'll happen if our heart gets fixed. But the only way our heart gets fixed is by allowing God to take out that heart of stone, that heart that doesn't go after the things of God. Sinners will do what they do until they encounter a true and living God. And they, how does, what's God's plan? What's God's plan for the world, for those that are outside the church, that are living a life of sin, that are in bondage? And most people know that they're messed up. They're looking for a way to get out. They're looking for a way to get out of that bondage. And all they need is for you and I to step up and say, let me tell you what I have found because I live like I found something worth living for. And they see it, and that's an open door for us to begin to share the love of Jesus and the gospel message. And when we do, that's when God gets to do what he loves to do, which is to take that heart of stone out of them and to place within them a heart of flesh and his spirit that allows them then to want to follow after God and want to do things that are right according to God's word. So just as the old heart has a, and the old nature produces corresponding fruit, so does the fixed heart, the new heart, the new nature. It produces corresponding fruit. You know, the Bible says that there's the fruit of the Spirit. I teach uh, the students in KSM, not fruits, it's not plural. There are gifts, plural, of the Spirit. But there is fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the Word of God says. That means you can't say, today, I want to have the fruit of love and gentleness, but I'm not going to have self-control. Because they're not, they're not plural. If the fruit of the Spirit is evident in your life, then love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control is evident in your life. 
And if you find yourself lacking in one of those descriptive words of the fruit, then you need to go back to the Lord and say, I need a little heart checkup. I need a little, I need a little tuning of my heart. Uh, maybe let's do an EKG in the Holy Spirit and make sure everything's firing like it's supposed to be. Let's make sure everything, all the valves are opening and closing rightly because I need the fruit of the Spirit displayed in my life. Amen? See, Paul said by the anointing of the Holy Spirit in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if any be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. But it starts with a new heart. When we come to Christ and we allow him to cause the old to be passed away and the new to come, we are crucified with him. We are buried with him. We are resurrected with him. We have ascended with him, and we are seated with him in heavenly places. That's what the word of God declares. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. In fact, the best position you and I, if you don't get anything else tonight, get this. The best position that you and I could ever find ourselves in is the in position. I am in Christ and Christ is in me. That's the best position we could ever find ourselves in, is the in position. Because if we are in the in position, then we have a heart that is fixed and is steadfast and is sold out for him, and he moves and operates through us. Point number four tonight. Christianity is a heart condition. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Proverbs 23, 26 says, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. 1 Timothy 1, 5 says, Now the end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of a faith unmoved. People with a heart condition tend to respond differently than other people. They act in a manner that is compatible with the condition of their hearts. Now some may say, You're a little too loud, preacher. You're a little too emotional. You're a little too rambunctious. All that shouting you do sometimes, all that running and all that hollering. And look, I didn't step on any seats tonight. Um, I've done it before. All that speaking in tongue stuff, that's unnecessary. All I got to say to people that say that is blame it on my heart condition. Just blame it on my heart condition because my heart is fixed. My heart is full of peace and joy and thanksgiving. And my heart is full of love. My heart is full of forgiveness. My heart is full of faith and of hope. And I believe I'm looking at a room full of people that has a heart that is established. In a world that's being tossed to and fro like the waves of the sea, you and I can have stability. We can have confidence. We can have assurance. In a world where men's hearts are failing for fear of the things that seem to be coming, we can have a steadfast, fixed heart, heart that is fixed in the right position. My heart is rejoicing in the fact that, in my, time, that my times are in his hands, not mine, and that he will perfect that which concerns me, his word says. If you ask me, how can you smile when others are frowning? How can you praise when all hell is broken loose against your life? How can you have joy in the midst of sorrow and tragedy? How can you keep it all together when all around you people are falling apart? My answer is this. It's this heart condition that I have. Because my heart is fixed. My heart is trusting in the Lord. Amen? Minister Micah and the worship team, would you come back? Maybe tonight, 
your heart might be broken. Remember, Jesus said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. Maybe tonight your heart is full of fear and anxiety. David said, if your heart is fixed and steadfast and fixed on the Lord, you don't have to fear. Maybe tonight your heart is full of anger and bitterness. Or maybe your heart feels empty and alone. Some of you in here, you know my testimony, and I, 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 I always, when the Holy Spirit impresses me, I always love to share the testimony because my testimony shows the goodness and faithfulness of God and I just was smart enough to respond when I needed to. But when my, my, my I got to preach on Father's Day, that Father's Day message that, that we tore it up, Pastor Vince, Joshua, Pastor Kirsten, we had a great time that night. But as I shared that night, I had four fathers growing up because my real father left when I was five. So the, a five-year-old started to have a heart full of hatred and bitterness and unforgiveness to the point that when God called me in the ministry at age 16 at summer camp, he said, I want to use you in the ministry. And I said, okay, because I love Jesus. And when after I said, okay, he said, you got to do one thing. You got to forgive your father. And I said, then I guess I can't be used in the ministry because there's no way I'm forgiving that man. Because I blamed that man, my real father, Gerald Wilson Haggerty. I blamed from Pennsylvania. I don't know if we're related to the Haggerty uh, businesses that are in Pennsylvania or not. I have no idea. Because when my dad walked out at five, I never saw him again. I didn't find out until seven years after he passed away that he had passed away. He cut off, he cut off all contact. So I blamed him for everything. I blamed him for the three other stepfathers. I blamed him for never going to the same school two years in a row because my mom was doing the best she could working three jobs. I blamed him for the addictions that I got, uh, got addicted to uh, being in the fourth grade and coming home to an empty apartment or an empty trailer uh, and, and, and just being left out there to fend for my own and fend for myself. I blamed him for all of that. And I felt good in my blaming him. I felt justified in my blaming him. I was like, I love Jesus and Jesus, you've forgiven me. But man, my Jesus, my life would have been so much better. I would have had, I would have had more friends. I'd have had better opportunity. I'd have been able to do this or I'd have been able to do that if it wasn't for my father. So sorry, I can't forgive him. And very graciously and lovingly, the Holy Spirit said, then I can't use you to fulfill the destiny and the thing that I created you to do. Now, that wasn't the end of the story, obviously, because I'm standing before you tonight. It took me a few days, a few weeks, but I finally came back to the, because the Holy Spirit, even though he said, I can't use you, he kept talking to me, because that's what he does. Holy Spirit kept talking to me, and he came back, to, he kept coming back to me, and I, I said, okay. So I sat down, this was, now, tell people all the time, and there's people in here that are older than I am, but I'm 56 years old, and I, so this was all at a time when there wasn't internet, there wasn't cell phones, there wasn't texting, there wasn't Instagram or all that, so I wrote, hand wrote, hand wrote a seven-page letter front and back to my dad, because I had his address, because I'd get a birthday card every once in a while, and on that seven, the first seven pages, I, I told him how much I hated him and all the reasons why. Been my, this was my first opportunity, so I was going to make it count. Because so, again, I was 16. You know, I'm not the most mature individual at the time. So the first seven pages was pouring out to him how much I hated him. But the second seven pages was telling him what Jesus had done for me and how much Jesus loved me and that 
just like my father, who was a pastor, when he left. God had called me in the ministry. And that God had told me that if he, he would use me if I would forgive. And I put in some scripture verses about the fact that if we want to be forgiven, we have to forgive others. And I sincerely met him and I asked my dad to forgive me for all my hatred. And I said, and I forgive you because I didn't live your life and I don't know what it was that drove you to do what you did. And I can't hold you responsible, nor will I be held captive by unforgiveness any longer. And can I tell you that when that happened, man, the condition of my heart changed. I began to see things differently, and I began to hear things from God in a greater way, and I preached my first sermon when I was 17 years old, and I went off to Bible college, and I met my beautiful wife of 36 years, and six children, and three grandchildren, and, and we've been serving Jesus, and we've been living for the Lord, and yeah, I went through some stuff, and I, I for those of you that know my full testimony, I, I needed to listen to the Holy Spirit again. He had to take me to the woodshed. That's again, that East Tennessee thing there. And he didn't let me pick the switch. He picked it. But again, I was smart enough to listen when he came knocking at my heart's door. See, the book of Revelation says, Behold, I stand at your heart's door and knock. If you will hear my voice and open up your heart, I will come in and we will fellowship together. We will be together forever. That's the kind of heart condition that God wants to do. That's the kind of heart surgery that God wants to do. So I don't know what your heart condition is today. Maybe your heart is calloused and hard. Maybe your heart is full of guilt and shame and condemnation because it's been stained with sin. But I do know this. You can leave tonight with the right kind of heart condition. You can leave tonight because of an encounter with the Holy Spirit with a heart that is fixed and is steadfast and is determined to live for Him. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.